Well, good morning again. It is real, a real joy to be here with you, and I want to say thank you for inviting me, even though I know you didn't have any say in it. Uh, but what I want to talk to you about today is the way that we all face difficulties, and when we face difficulties, what we try to do is match the resources that we have to the problem that's in front of us. So if you think about sickness, if you're sick and you don't have very many resources, what we do is we automatically and instantaneously reach out to help for help from whoever and whatever is available. But if you're sick and you've got lots of resources and the problem is bigger than you can cope with, then what we do is we go and we get the experts and we pay the experts to help us with our sickness. And if we are loaded with resources and we think that the problem is manageable, then we deal with it ourselves and use our own internal resources. And that way of operating is true of every aspect of life. There is a problem, what resources do I have and how am I going to interact with it? And so you and I, though, live in an age of incredibly rich resources, an age where we do have power. In fact, such power that so often the resources we have exceeds the need. We've come through a couple of years of COVID, and in two years, it is amazing, isn't it? Totally new vaccines, antivirals that had never been thought of three years ago. We have that sort of power, where a vi the virus went from being a death sentence to now an inconvenience that we all got friends who have COVID at the moment. And the floods that we've had just here, they've been terrible in 2022, haven't they? And I don't want to undermine the way that people have been dislocated, their homes have been destroyed, the way that they have lost loved ones. But I was on holidays up on the North Coast and there are whole mini suburbs of pods now that have been built so that people that didn't have anywhere to live now have somewhere to live. There are big problems, but we have resources. Our society has such resources. Now, I know it's not a universal reality, but this congregation here at Vine in Flinders Street, you have so many resources that you're able to lean on those resources when time gets difficult. But you can't keep the problems away forever. There are problems that we don't have the resources to solve. I know some of you and I know what's going on for some of you. There are mental health issues. There's cancer. There's other difficulties. There's disruption from societal unrest that we just don't have the resources to solve. And being aware of that, we come to the Bible today. And we're going to look at three events that occurred 2,000 years ago and they occurred in a different world. They were people without the resources that you and I have. They had more limited places that they could turn to. The problems seemed bigger. But the need to match your problems with the resources that you have is universal. It's as much our issue as it is theirs. And these events that were just read to us by Scott from Matthew chapter 8 are not just a random set of events that we're looking at. And they're not significant because of the intelligence of the people that were involved in them. They're collected for us in the Bible and they're gathered and preserved over these 2,000 years for us in the Bible so that we could learn and be instructed by them. And so these recorded events are so special that they matter, that they matter deeply, that they matter deeply to us. And on the eighth day of 2023, 
I want us to ask the question, what do these events that happened then matter for us today? And so then, let's have a look at them again. Chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. That is an amazing event that has occurred. Large crowds. We saw large crowds around the harbour a week ago. From all over Sydney, people came in, indeed, from all over the world. And that isn't a hard thing to do because we have great transportation systems and so it makes it easy for us to mass together. But that wasn't the case in the first century. They travelled. They travelled on foot. They didn't have comfortable shoes and joggers to wear. They would have been people who were busy just doing what needed to be done to survive. They would have had to work. They would have had to cook. They would have had to clean. There was no outsourcing. But they all downed tools. They travelled from all over to see and to hear this man, this man Jesus, large crowds, because they knew that something spectacular was amongst them. He had done the impossible already in these first few chapters. He had healed diseases, he had healed pain, he'd healed the demon-possessed, he'd taken people who had seizures and the paralysed and made them well. There was nothing that was beyond his power. And he taught. And as he taught, he spoke and everyone was amazed at his words. They were mesmerised by what he said because he spoke with such authority and power that they had never heard before. Jesus was no one-trick wonder. He controlled everything, and the crowds knew it. And so they gathered, and they gathered to see him. And then this man with leprosy came to Jesus. Leprosy is a term for skin diseases, skin diseases that are infectious, and because the diseases were infectious, and because they didn't have antibiotics in the first century, there were rules and very strict rules that had to be obeyed. Those with leprosy couldn't be part of society. They had to isolate themselves, not just on the edge of town, but outside of town, away from everyone else. They couldn't have contact with anyone because they were unclean, and if an unclean person touched somebody who didn't have leprosy, someone who was clean, then the clean would be infected and they would be made unclean and that infection meant that they would have to, the person who was clean would have to leave the town as well. You see, this is COVID in 2020 on steroids, isn't it? Any chance of COVID, isolate. That's what, that's what it was like with leprosy. But despite the prohibition on being near anyone without leprosy. This leper came to Jesus, came to him because he was desperate. His problem far exceeded any resources he had, but he knew that Jesus was the hope for his problem. 
He knew, in fact, that Jesus was the only hope. But would Jesus be willing to help him? And so he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus do? The next words of Jesus would have made those vast crowds gasp. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And he said, I am willing, be clean. You see, their system was set up so that the unclean couldn't pollute what was clean. If you were unclean and you touched someone who was clean or someone who was clean touched you who was unclean, they would come become unclean. But Jesus is so powerful that when he who is clean touches the unclean man, the flow isn't from unclean to make the clean unclean. The flow is from the clean one to the unclean one and makes the unclean one clean. I can't imagine what it would have looked like. You would have seen the blemishes on his arms and on his face suddenly disappear so that it was obvious to everyone that this man had been cleansed. Such power had never been seen before. But such love too. Jesus touches the man. He didn't need to touch him, but he did. Because touch is such a powerful way of saying, I am with you, I care for you, we are united, we are one. Jesus touches, I am willing. And it's not to enhance his fame that Jesus does this. It's his concern for the man who once had leprosy. He says, don't tell anyone, just go and do what's necessary to be restored to the community. Four verses, one interaction. What's its impact on you? The next one. The scene now changes. The centre of the stage is not the leper any longer. He's replaced by a centurion. A centurion is a powerful person. Here is inhabited, occupied Israel, but this centurion is a Roman. He's a member of the hierarchy. This hierarchy controlled the world. They were the military conquerors. They were the victors. This centurion's in charge of 100 soldiers. He's a commander, a powerful commander. He's not a mere worker. But even with such power... This centurion didn't possess the resources to restore the health of the one that he cared for. And so he comes to Jesus. Verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralysed and he's suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. And to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. 
I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done to you just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Here is a man, a centurion, who comes to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to come to your servant and heal him by touching him? And the centurion says, look, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just say the words. Here is the powerful man, the centurion, but he recognises he's in the presence of a man of greater power, in the presence of a man with more resources. And what he does and what he understands is so unusual because power has the habit of creating arrogance. Power makes you feel invincible. It deceives you into thinking that you've got more control than you actually do, that you don't need other people and so you look down on them. But not this centurion. So the centurion's in response to the centurion, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, no one in Israel has such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now they are strange words from Jesus. And I'm sure you'll pick up on what it means a little bit more in the weeks to come. But there is a warning in here about how people can get things almost right and be totally wrong and suffer terrible consequences. Let me give you an illustration. As you know, a few months ago, Queen Elizabeth died and there were many stories that were told of her. One of them was, that, and apparently it's been fact-checked, there were some American tourists who were walking around Sandringham, the Queen's holiday residence, and they came across two people as they were walking. The two people just happened to be unbeknown to them, the Queen and her guard. And during the conversation, the Americans asked about whether these two had lived in the area very long. And the Queen said, oh, she lived in London, but she'd been holidaying here for, for 80 years. And so excitedly, the Americans explained, you must have met the Queen. To which Her Majesty replied, no, but Dickie here walks with her every day. And so the Americans were besotted by that. They had their, their photo taken with the man who knew the Queen <laughs> and the lady who was with him just happened to be in the background. And it was only when they got back to the United States that they were informed that the lady in the background was the Queen. You see, here are people that were so close but so wrong. And so it was for the people of Israel so close to the most powerful person who has ever walked on this earth and they missed it. And Jesus says there are consequences for those who see it embraced and welcomed by this sort of person and for those who miss it shut out into terrible suffering and torment. How do you respond to that? And so this section concludes... The centurion, to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment.
make sure you don't miss out. And finally, we meet Peter, Jesus' disciples, mother-in-law and many others. Verses 14 to 17. Oh, missed all those. There we go. When Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. And when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Here is great Jesus at Peter's house. Any of you that have had the pleasure of visiting a home of Middle Eastern people know that hospitality is an essential part of their culture. And so Peter's mother-in-law must have been very, very, very sick to remain in bed rather than to serve the guest. But there was nothing she could do. There was no antibiotics, not even Panadol for fever relief. And even in our modern technological and medical age, even with our sophisticated medicines, it takes time for any medication to work. But not on this occasion. This sick woman, so sick she couldn't get up and serve, Jesus touches her hand and immediately she is well and begins showing hospitality. And so verse 16 is a good summary of when people without resources need their, so their problems solved. It says, that evening they brought to Jesus many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with the word, word and healed many who were sick. How do you respond to that? I think a reasonable response might be, that was then, we live now. They have no resources, we have lots of resources. This has nothing to do with me, because we live in a resource-rich age where we don't need what Jesus has to offer. We have the ability to fix it ourselves. But our little eyewitness account concludes with some words of Jesus. This was to oops, Mr. Page. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. You see, what we have looked at today is not just a few events at one point in time. These events that occurred in one point of history are what all of history was heading towards. These words from the prophet Isaiah, he took our infirmities and bore our diseases, were written 700 years before Jesus and the nation was waiting and waiting and waiting year after year after year and now it has happened. You see, history... And every event in history, every event that's happened in your history and my history is controlled by God and involves Jesus. Israel waited for the day to come when things would be fixed up and it came in him. And after that event, it shapes every event that follows as well. It's a little bit like COVID. For years we kept being warned, although none of us listened, including me, 
kept being warned that a pandemic would come again. And it did. And when it came, it has shaped all of our lives and will shape all of our lives and the lives of our children for decades to come. And Jesus is like that. Him coming. These events we have read this morning affect everyone throughout all of time. But before I address why it matters to us, there's one last thing I hope that you have seen because it's crucial that we take it on board. Because when I talk about promises, sorry, resources and problems, it can be easily reduced to a transaction. I have a problem. I need someone to fix that problem. I don't have the resources, so therefore I'll find a way for this person to fix the problem. That's just transactional. But the most important interactions in life are not transactional. It is not I give you, you give me. The most important relationship, most important things in life are relational things. I give to you because I care for you. You give yourself to the other person not because of what you can get from them, but because of who they are and how they relate to you. You see, we saw it with the leper. It's not a transaction. Jesus touches him. I am willing. We see it with the centurion, that foreign man. His servant is healed. He's not even a local. The one who has the resources, this man Jesus, who affects all of time, also loves you. I'm going to tell a story now that I've never told before. So forgive me if I choke up. When I was six years old, my father used to sit in a cane chair all day long. I couldn't tell why, because I didn't know it then that he was dying of leukaemia. And so to try and leave his young family in some sort of ordered state, that it was possible to survive without him, he arranged for an overgrown tree at the back of our house to be cut down. And so he arranged it, and the cuttings were in the backyard. And while I was... While he was resting, I was playing in those cuttings, even though he warned me not to, and I got caught up in them, and I was unable to get free. I called out to my father for help, and he rose from his chair, and he came and pulled a big branch off me and released me. During that time, I was scared, but I never for a moment thought that he'd say, I told you so. I never expected him to leave me there for disobeying him. I knew that he loved me and would protect me, and he did. This is what love does. It cares for those who cannot care for themselves, whether they deserve it or not. My father died a couple of months after that event and isn't around and wasn't around to help again. But Jesus is, because many of you know the story of what follows in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus did many more wonderful things and showed his power and his love. He died too, like my father, but unlike my father, rose from the dead because death could not contain him and he now cradles those he loves in his everlasting arms. This is why these events matter to you. Not just powerful not just power exhibited 2,000 years ago to these three people,
but power that lasts forever. And his posture towards us are his arms held out wide to embrace him. That is why these events matter to you. Can I say, though, that because we live in 21st century Australia and we have so many resources as a nation and individually, it is so easy for us to fall into arrogance and independence and ignore Jesus. I have all the resources I need. You don't. And if you think you do, you will live your life transactionally and miss out on this love of God. You need to have courage to admit that. Or else you will live the comfortable but deluded life of thinking you have all the resources you need. And be like those people of Israel who were so close but missed out completely. You see, my friends, I, I know some of you, I don't know many of you though. Here the offer is to be cradled in the everlasting arms of the one who is always here, who provides the resources, even for the problems, the big problems that we don't know we have. On the day when we meet God, he will be there because of what Jesus has done to embrace us and welcome us home. Please pray with me. Our Lord God, we live in a different age. Over 2,000 years have passed since these events occurred. But thank you for having them recorded for us that we might see the power of Jesus, the resources that he has for every problem and more especially see the love he has for those who don't deserve the love. And thank you too that down through these 2,000 years, he didn't live and die and stay dead, but that he now stands in heaven and still shows his love and power to those who are his. And thank you that the day will come to those who trust him when we, he, we will stand before you and Jesus will say, gee, it's good to have you home. Thank you for that. Amen.